Welcome to the Cattle Call Podcast. Uh, today we are studying another feedlot research call, so let me go ahead and call Brooke. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a good time for a cattle call. Great. Uh, Brooke, we've been, uh, in our feedlot research, we've been talking about uh, use of beef semen in, 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 dairy, in the dairy industry, and we've covered a couple uh, review papers to talk about cattle performance, how much semen uh, it's been increased over the years. So today I think we have a, a little uh, different approach. So what is what is the paper that we'll be talking about today? So today um, is another review, but it kind of is from a different perspective here. So it's titled Invited Review, A Carcass and Meat Perspective of Crossbred Beef and Di on Dairy Cattle. Um, and this is by Forker and others, and it was published in Translational Animal Science this yes, year. Yes, that's a, a recent publication. And uh, same same as the others, uh, they're all, I think they're all review uh, publications because, as we know, this is a, a recent thing that we've been seeing in the industry. So not a lot of research have been finished on that right now. So... What what are what are the the authors like you like you said you talk they they were focused the review on on carcass and meat uh, characteristics most of it so what are some of the main findings that they or the main points that the authors discussed in in this uh, research paper. So this paper kind of went over two main topics which is consumer preferences and then carcass performance itself. Um, and so we know consumer preference is important because that's going to be what's driving the consumer to buy what they buy. And one thing I thought was interesting that they kind of led with was they mentioned that dairy beef uh, is often seen as inferior to your typical beef breeds, um, which is incorrect. And I know this. I've heard this from people in the ag industry even, um, that it's a common thought. And and that's uh, just to, to – that's not the dairy beef cross. The, the beef from the dairy – uh, steer, let's say, or the, the Finnish calf-fed animal, there is this perception that uh, the quality is not as, as good as the traditional beef breeds. And and as you mentioned, that's incorrect, uh, which I've I've heard that a lot too, but it's it's really, really good that they they mentioned it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and But they also talk about other different things, what, what they were talking about. So one thing they were talking about with dairy beef that is a concern and one thing that crossbreeding could help with um, are there are two main points, which is color stability for retail. And we've talked in with some of our other talks about vitamin E and helping that. Um, but one issue or one concern with dairy beef is that. And the other is steak shape. So we know that the steak shape of a uh, dairy animal is different than a beef animal. So again, they kind of touched on the idea that Crossbreeding these animals can kind of address these issues. Um, so they did look um, and they did see a reduced need for concern for crossbred dairy compa compared to full dairy um, when we're looking at these two different issues. Um, so it looks like crossbreeding kind of addressed this for the producer. That's 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 a great point. Uh, yeah, and and uh, I. Yeah, it's good that you mentioned that about the color stability. We've talked about um, vitamin E as being a, a a potential solution for that, especially because those animals stay 
a long day, a lot of days uh, on feed. So that may create an issue, but we can overcome that by uh, using uh, vitamin E, for example. And about the shape, uh, we've we've talked about if there is a more triangular or rectangular, I don't know, shape different, uh, smaller shape, different shape on the on the beef, on the dairy animals when compared to the purebred beef. And when you cross, it looks like it it has a more similar shape to the beef animal than the dairy animal. So using the crossbred could help with that uh, issue. That's great. Uh, what else they were talking about? So they also looked at tenderness. Um, and when they had consumers rate uh, the steaks that they were eating, looking at a beef, a dairy, and then a beef on dairy crossbred animal, they rated the dairy steaks as the most tender. Um, so beef on dairy seems to be an intermediary for tenderness and flavor where, um, you know, it, it's a little more tender than the beef and a little more flavorful, um, but still kind of you get the benefit of that larger ribeye area um, and better color stability. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, going back to the first point that you made uh, and that, about the perception of the, the beef from dairy uh, steers not being as good as as the traditional beef breeds. Uh, this this is a great point, and that's showing that when they tested that, it 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 showed that the the beef from the dairy animals were more tender. It, again, it doesn't mean that the the beef from the beef animals were tough. It's just <laughs> like I think all of the beef are tender, but one is more tender tender than the other. That's just a good point to show that. There is no uh, the beef from the dairy animals is not worse. I think that's that's a very very great point. Uh, they but they also mentioned like when they use like trained panelists. They, I think that it was quite the same, right? Uh, yeah, uh, trained panelists had a similar reaction as far as tenderness and eating quality of the animal. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's great. A, a, a average consumer. All of them are good for a training panelist. They're all good. The same thing. Uh, what else were they talking about? So then they went on to talk just more specifically about carcass performance of the animals. And one thing that I like that they mentioned that early beef on dairy, right when it started, when it got more popular, um, the focus was on black hides to gain those premiums and avoid dairy discount or refusal. So I think that's an important kind of idea to keep in mind when we look at why people are picking the semen that they're picking. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, they started actually the review talking about the discounts that the hosting seers were suffering a couple of years ago and, and how it kind of creates some of the needs to use beef uh, semen in the dairy cows. Uh, and, and that's a great point. I mean, a lot of, a lot of these beef on dairy came back again or started this recent boon in beef on dairy with, uh, semen, like beef semen only be used for the, the cheapest, uh, bull or something like that. We've, we felt a, a major criteria in selecting which semen was going to be used. Uh, that's a great point. And, but they, and they also talk about some of the criterias that uh, are important when we're choosing a, a beef semen, right? Yes, and they, they talk about it from a perspective of a packer. So um, as packers are seeing more of these beef on dairy crosses, they're kind of developing their own criteria and discounts for these animals. Um, 
So we're seeing discounts for things like liver abscess, which is a financial loss for the packer. Um, and again, it looks like beef on dairy are an intermediate to the beef and the animal uh, or the dairy animals. And we know that um, Holsteins uh, in other parts of the country have an issue with liver abscess, and this could be a method of controlling liver abscess. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and and we know that liver abscess, like it's an issue other parts of the country, not as much for us here. Uh, and we are curious to see, we are actually feeding those animals. We are very interested to see how the crosses are going to perform on that uh, regards. So, and they also talk about some advantages on crossing uh, and on the dairy beef when you compare to the straight beef, for example, on youth grade, right? Right. So it looks like for fat thickness and ribeye area, it's about an intermediate. It looks like really what's ha- what they're seeing is that the dairy on beef crosses are coming out right in between the dairy and the beef. Um, so we're seeing an improvement on ribeye area. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing an improvement on dressing percentage compared to the dairy. So dairy dressing percentage is around 61%. And they saw with the beef on dairy crosses, a the um, dressing percentage was 63%. So we are seeing an improved dressing percentage. Um, but the beef breeds are obviously still higher. And then there's slightly less sellable red meat. Uh, compared to beef breeds, but there's still more than dairy. So we are seeing an improvement compared to the dairy, um, but still not up to the level that the beef breeds are at for that. No, that's that's a great, great point, Brooke. Uh, and again, the quality is still really, really good quality, same as, as the hosting as well. Uh, that's something that they mentioned. Uh, what else? They At the end, I think they mentioned some opportunities for improvements, right? Uh, or what else they, they talk about? So when cr- when crossing the animal, the beef and the dairy animals, they're seeing an improvement in animal health, a decrease in death loss, a decrease on in days on feed, an increase in feed efficiency, an increase in carcass yields, an increase in color shelf life of the cuts. Um, and it uh, when you're including the dairy genetics in that beef animal, um, you see an increase in marbling and eating quality from those dairy genetics. So we're seeing improvements coming from both sides, not just the beef side, but the dairy side is also contributing some positive qualities to that meat. Yeah, that's a great point. Like we are getting the the good things for from each each production system, which is it what makes this beef on dairy cross so uh, promising and interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one one thing that I like, they also uh, two things. I and and I'm not sure if you're going to, to you're going to mention this in a little bit, but one of the things that I liked is that they uh, the traceability, the potential traceability that these animals can have when you compare to traditional beef. For example, mm-hmm. we could go back to the dairy and see uh, all the the life, investigate all of the life of the animal. So this could add some uh, value to the consumer. Uh, perspective, for example. And one of the things that they mention is when choosing, we, we have to remember that this animal is coming from a dairy cow. So probably the, the person is going to choose which bull or which sire to use on, on this cross. Their main focus focus still uh, the fertility of the cow and, and calving needs. So that's... Uh, 
it's it's a challenge for for uh, selecting sires. Like maybe the sires that's is the best fit for a beef cow. It's it's not going to be the best fit for the dairy cow. So it's it's also an opportunity to investigate that. Uh, we joke about job security. So mm-hmm. there is a I think there is a lot of job security on on that uh, field as well, right? Right, and they mentioned that it is a great opportunity for the seed stock companies as well because it gives them an opportunity to market more bulls to different um, different industries. Yes, I, I I think that's something that we've we've talked before that we have always to remember that this is a, a byproduct from the dairy industry. So the main focus still getting that dairy cow pregnant and producing milk. Uh, but we can add some value on that. And and it looks like a very, very good value. So what else, Brooke? Is there something that we forgot to mention that I would like to, to point out? Those were the main points that I saw um, with this. I um, One of the things that is always mentioned in all of these reviews that we've looked at is we just need more data. So I'm excited to see how our cattle do relative to what we have here in this review. Exactly. Like this is a it's a review uh, a lot with with the author's experience. Uh, but that's that's a great point. We need more more data. We need to understand. Uh, they talk about the variation as well that we've seen, and and they show that. Like as always, we encourage the listeners to go and and find the the paper, uh, so they can see. This is a very nice because they put pictures. They can, you can see actually the the things that are changing. So it's it's great. We are looking forward. I think uh, in the next few years we'll have a lot of data to better understand uh, the use of of beef semen in the dairy industry. Uh, anything else, Brooke? Nope, that's all I have. That's great. I think as as always, again, just encourage you to to read the the, the manuscript. If you have questions or something, please send a an email to us. If you want to receive this paper, just send an email with uh, the title of the episode and the research uh, uh, feedlot research request, and we'll send you the the paper. But it's it's all of this this summary that Brooks provides is always is also in our newsletter. You can subscribe by using the link uh, in the description of this episode. So yeah. Uh, feel free to contact us if you have questions or suggestions. And remember, it's always a good time for a cattle call. Thank you.